Welcome to the Pearl Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this message blesses you in a way that is inspiring, encouraging, and transformational. For more information about our church, please go to thepearlchurch.org. We hope you enjoy this message. Pastor Doug said, uh, we are in a new series called Kingdom People, and we are on our third week. In this series, what our goal is, is that we are looking to define what kind of people we are. But we're also looking to identify how we are involved in the kingdom of God. Last week, if you missed this, Pastor Josh preached an amazing message on kingdom process. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was incredible. And this is what I love, the line that he said. He says, kingdom people embrace the kingdom process, that Jesus often confronts our past to bring healing and redemption that will propel us into our future. That is so good. And what I would encourage you to do if you did miss um, that is we have um, our messages posted on our social media platform. So I'd encourage you uh, to listen to that message and also Pastor Doug's um, introduction message to the Kingdom People series on Facebook, YouTube. Um, you can also do so at the um, on our new app. We just developed a new app called the Pearl Church app where you can live. We basically say that this is the lobby that you can live in anywhere. So you can experience the messages. You can we can answer questions for you so you can get plugged in. But this morning, what I want to focus on, and again, I feel like Pastor Doug kind of stole some of my thunder with what my message is about. Like, I can't drop surprises. You already know, so you have expectations. So I'm just praying that God will, will deliver this morning. And so if you're taking notes, the title of my message is Kingdom Life. And what I'm going to have you do is I'm going to have you turn to your Bibles uh, to Mark 1, 16, and if you have your phone, I'd encourage you also, um, on our app, we actually have the Bible available for you, for you to follow along. So Mark 1, we're going we're gonna to camp out in verse 16 through 20, and it says this, as, and we also have it available for you on the screen, so you can take a look there as well. All right, so as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come. Follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their net and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. What we're going to do right now, church, is we're going to pray. So if you wouldn't mind bowing your head um, and closing your eyes with me, we're just going to ask that God would just speak to us personally this morning. Jesus, we just come before you right now, God, and we're grateful that we have the opportunity, God, to come into your presence just as we are. That, God, we don't have to perform or do anything, God. All we have to do is just have a willing heart to just come into your presence because of what you, Jesus, did for us on the cross, that it allows us to do this, God. So we just ask right now that, God, I know that we're coming in with a lot of different things, but we just ask that you would help us, God, to be attuned to your voice this morning, that we would hear what you want to speak. God, I ask right now that even just for me personally, you would set me aside, and that, God, the words that you want to to speak to your people this morning would come forth, that they would hit their hearts, God, in a way that only you can do. And so, God, I pray that today we would be marked by your word and marked by your presence. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, well, right here in this portion of scripture, what I want to just share with you real quickly is the context in which this, this portion of scripture was happening. And what I loved about this is as I was reading, oftentimes when you're reading the story, I would encourage you when you're reading scripture to go and look at the whole story. 
right before Jesus approached these four men, he had just launched his ministry. Jesus just had begun to preach. And it says this in Mark 14, 15. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. And what I found to be so interesting about the beginning of Jesus' work on earth is that not only was he preaching the good news, not only was he performing miracles, but he began to gather and activate people. He began to gather his disciples. He began to call ordinary men to be the ones that would carry on his ministry. And I believe that that's what he wants to do here with us this morning. Is you see that these, these men, they, they needed to become hearers of his doctrine so that they become preachers of his doctrine. They needed to witness his miracle so that they could be the conduit of his presence and the miracles on earth after Jesus was gone. And I love this. And why does, why does this matter? You might be asking yourself, why does this matter? That was two, a book written 2,000 years ago. It was because I believe that the same pattern exists today. That as as Jesus begins his work, as he's continuing his work, what he wants to do is he wants to call disciples so that you can carry the work of his ministry into the earth. See, I believe this right here. For the advancement of the kingdom of God, Jesus calls for our participation. Now, I don't know how that resonates with you. But you know what I think to myself is that God is an all-powerful God. And he could totally just fulfill his plans the way that he would want to. But what I love, one of the things that I love about him the most is that he's pleased with our involvement. That he wants each and every one of you to be involved, to be activated, to be a part of the call and the work and the advancement of his kingdom. And if anything, I want you to leave today knowing that God created you with a specific purpose in mind and to impact the world and to follow him. You see, but I believe before we can participate, what you could even see this here in this portion of scripture, that in order to fully participate in the kingdom of God, we must respond to the kingdom call to live a kingdom life. And how we res- what, the question that we respond to to live a kingdom life is this, is this very statement. Come, follow me. You might be asking yourself, what does that mean? What, is, what exactly, how can I even do that? Well, that's what I love about the Bible. Is that even when Pastor Elliot was talking about how it provides hope. It provides direction, guidance. There's promises in here that are written just specifically for you. And what I love is that when we get into a certain part of my, when I get into a certain part of my life, I can go to the Bible and go and get guidance, be spoken to by Jesus, that I don't have to go at this alone, but that he's written a map, a letter, just, just for me and just for you. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to jump into that portion of scripture because I believe Peter, Andrew, James, and John provide an example for us to follow when Jesus asks to come and follow me. And so as you go into this scripture, we're just going to jump right in. And then I know Pastor Doug mentioned that I'm going to share, you know, some of my story. And I, I want to get there. But I want you to see past my story and more see first the foundational biblical truths of responding to the statement, come and follow me. So if you're taking notes, point number one is this. That in order to respond and live a kingdom life, 
we must be willing to act immediately when he calls. You see, in Mark 1.18, it says, at once they left their net and followed him. In the message translation, I like this, it says they didn't ask questions. Now, this is the hardest point to start with because there's a certain act of obedience that happens immediately that something in our human nature doesn't want to do that. But you see, what I love about the disciples is what it basically says to us is that just by being called, they obeyed, plain and simple. See, I was talking to a friend of mine earlier and I said, the Bible is actually a lot more matter of fact than I want to be. My personality, I tend to like to ease into things and massage some things, but the very first message that we heard in this series, I I absolutely loved, that truly changed the way that I approached people, is when Pastor Doug talked to us as the congregation, as the church, that we must present the, the, the truth, the seed, as to how it is meant to be presented. He says to not modify the seed, but to instead pray for the soil to receive it. That is a hard truth, my friends, when you are just, the, the Bible is very black and white. It's very straightforward. And you see, when Jesus came walking along the Sea of Galilee and he sees these men, he says, come and follow me, and immediately they followed. I, I think it has less to do, though, with the disciples necessarily and more to do with this. They didn't know where they were going, but they very well knew who they were going with. And I think as Jesus, he calls us, we don't know where he's taking us a lot of the time, but when you know him, you're willing to go because of his character, his integrity, his love, his plan just for you. You see, what I, what I find to be really interesting here is that you know, as you're reading through the Bible, this may seem like the first encounter that these disciples had with Jesus, but it's actually not true. They were actually pretty well acquainted with him. They were disciples of John the Baptist. So they were acquainted with Jesus. They knew who he was. They knew that he and believed that he was the promised Messiah. So when we know who is calling us to come and follow, we must, church, be willing to act immediately. Point number two is we must be willing to leave the familiar. And that alone hurts. (laughs) See, in Mark, it it says this, at once they left their nets. Well, see, the nets, when when you read through Scripture, the disciples, it talks about in this portion of Scripture that they were fishermen, that this was their employment, this was their livelihood, this is what they, they did for success, but they were used to it. it I don't know for sure, but I, I like to read the Bible and, and imagine it as a story. And I begin to think of Peter and Andrew growing up as kids. I begin to think of John and James with their father going fishing for a living. This is what they do. But it was something that was familiar to them. It was something that they grew up doing, that they were used to do, that they were used to doing. But also more than that, it became a livelihood, a source of income, a source of identity. They were good at it. How we know that they were good at it is that James and John, it says that Zebedee's father actually hired men. So he could actually afford to hire people in his business. So you know that they were successful at what they were doing. But it's all that they ever knew. I, w- I would ask you right now, what is something that, you would, that you're doing that's familiar to you? It could be your job. It could be your family. It could be what, whatever you do. 
But what I believe Jesus is asking when, he come, when we have this come follow me moment is he's asking, are you willing to leave the familiar? Are you willing, I'm not, I'm not saying go and quit your job, like I'm not saying that. Unless Jesus asks you to, he asked me to, and I'll tell you that story a little bit later. But the last thing that I would want to do is have all of us quit our jobs, because that just would not be a good thing. <laughs> I often tell people this, I didn't quit my job on a whim, I quit it on a word. And there's a difference, there's a difference. And so what I'm saying here is though, is there's a willingness in the disciples when they became and they acted immediately, there was a willingness in them to leave the familiar. They were willing to leave their employment to follow Jesus, willing to leave their livelihood, their source of income, but they were also willing to leave their success. It's one thing to leave a job you hate, and it's a whole nother thing to live, leave a job or a call that you feel like you were made for in the moment. But God is asking us, friends, are we willing to leave the familiar? The next thing that, as we read through, we read through this portion of scripture, point number three, that in order to live the kingdom life, we must be willing to let go of engagements and expectations. You see, again, I'm, I'm repeating this, but it's just because there's one portion of scripture and it has three different things that are just so packed into this very in the, into that portion. It says, without delay, he called them, and they left their father. You see, when they leave their father, I believe that it's more than just leaving him behind. It's what does it represent in their willingness to leave their father? I believe that it, it represents engagements to the family. You know, they were on the boat with Zebedee. They were running the business with him. There comes an expectation and an obligation to those commitments that we have even within our, our families. I would imagine, you know, I'm not obviously a dad. That would be weird. Um, <laughs> I'm not a parent. But like Zebedee, I would think to myself that as, you know, as you're, as you're raising sons, as you're raising children, you begin to dream for them. You begin to think about their lives. And then you even begin to make plans for them, to guide them and lead them. I can imagine Zebedee has this dream that one day his sons will take on the family business. That one day, the training, the, I'm sure the discipline, <laughs> everything that he invested into, these, into his sons, that they would one day step into and take, on the, have, take the baton in their hands and lead the family business moving into the future. I'm sure a lot of us can relate to that. You might have people in your life that, have, that you have commitments to and engagements with that you've made these commitments to, to lead a certain life, to lead the family business, whatever it may be. But you also have, expect, we also deal with expectations of those close to us. But what I'm inspired by with James and John is that they were willing to let go of those engagements. They were willing to let go of the expectations of those that were put on them that were actually good expectations. I don't feel like Zebedee is, a, is like, you will do this, but it was a good thing. He wanted his sons to be successful. But, but the disciples in the call, come and follow me, were willing to let those go. 
the next thing that we learn from them, the disciples, to lead a kingdom life is that we must be willing to trust his process and his promise. You see, in Mark 1:17, it says, come and follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. In a few other translations, I just want to read it to you. It says, I will send you out to fish for people. I will show you how to fish for people. I will make you a new kind of fisherman. And this one's my personal favorite in the Passion Translation. It says, I will transform you into men who catch people instead of fish. You see, the disciples were willing to walk away from their family, from their jobs, from the familiar, from the expectations, even from their own dreams, to trust that God was going to put them in a process to make them something. You see, they hadn't arrived yet. It's one thing to feel qualified and to take a step away from something into the next season of your life. But you see, God doesn't work that way. Many of you are that are laughing is because you know, because oftentimes when you have those come follow me moments, you feel the most unqualified in your life. But us as the disciples, we have to be willing to trust the process. Jesus says it right here. I will show you. I'm going to show you. I'm going to make you. I'm going to construct it. You don't worry. I'm going to transform you in this process to be successful. If he calls you church, he qualifies you. If he qualifies you, he commissions you. And if he commissions you, you will be successful in what he's called you to do. But prior to making that step, you have to be willing to trust that he's going to do that. Not only trust in his process of making and showing you, but trusting his promise that he's going to do it. And there are times in our lives when he walks by, just like he was, just contemplating the things of life. He just launched his ministry. And he walks by and he says, hey, you, I see you. I've been watching you. I'm watching, I'm watching you fish. I'm watching you do your thing. Come, follow me. Because I have a plan for you. I have a plan that's going to impact many people's lives. And so what I feel like in this point, what I, what I really want to just emphasize is that the difficulties of what the process may, may, may have, or even our own insecurities of stepping into that call, what needs to be greater is our trust in Jesus, that he's going to qualify us, that he's going to authorize us, he's going to commission us, and he's, and he's going to give us wisdom to be successful in what he's called us to do. You see, Jesus has a personal work for each of us to do. And I even believe that there are people in this room as I was praying, I'm like, I don't, I don't know if you've heard that before. But one thing that I know that you will hear from, from this pulpit is that you have a purpose, that you have a plan, that God has strategically and intentionally and lovingly created you in a specific way to do, and you are destined to do great things. That you play a significant part in advancing the kingdom of God. And if you believe anything different today, today's your last day of believing that. Because I'm believing that God is going to begin to break that off of your life. He's going to begin to speak to your identity if you allow him to. Let him. Let him speak to you. These men were so unqualified. See, when you begin to study the context of this story, the Sea of Galilee, it wasn't a special place. Jesus should have went to the synagogue. He should have called priests and elders that were already well-equipped in the good news. 
See, men were from in this in this culture. Certain men were selected, depending on their family, to go into the ministry the day they were born, and they begin to study, and they had to memorize. Thank God we don't do this anymore. Someone, ooh. you see the Old Testament? Yikes! They had to memorize that thing. He didn't go there. I wonder why. He didn't go there. He could have gone to the kingdom of Herod and pulled the nobles and the people who are well-educated and well-learned, but he didn't. That's not to mean that we're, I'm saying that he's choosing us because we're not educated people. That's not what I'm saying. (laughs) What I'm saying is that the things that man looks at to qualify us to make an impact don't measure up to what God looks at. You see, one of my favorite scriptures and my favorite stories is of David. When, when, when Jesse he brings his sons, he doesn't even bring David in, but what I love, my, one of my favorite scriptures is that man looks out the outside appearance, but the Lord, our God, looks at your heart, how he created you. And so Jesus has a personal work for you to do, my friends. He has a plan And he has a purpose for you to discover and for you to fulfill that will lead to the advancement of his kingdom. But before he can transform us into fishers of men and send us out to fish for people, we must respond to the call to choose to live a kingdom life and make the decision to come and follow him. And I just, so I just want to share a little bit of my story just real quickly. Not for the reasons of boasting about myself, but to encourage you that this moment, this come follow me kingdom life moment is real. And if you have yet to experience it, you will as you continue to pursue him. And I'm even, I'm even going to say this, you will have multiple You're going to have multiple come follow me moments because what it does is Jesus is taking you deeper. He's narrowing your call. He's focusing you on what he's destined you to do. And so what I'm praying for is that as we remember those, you may be in that season right now where Jesus is saying, come, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. You may not be in that season, but what I pray is that you do get there because it means something. It means that he's ready to propel his work and his ministry in and through you. But what I hope that we remember is these four things, that, there, we, that we must be willing to act immediately. That we must be willing to leave behind the familiar. That we must be willing to let go of engagements and expectations of others and even those that we put on ourselves. And we must be willing to trust his process and his promise. You see, as Pastor Doug mentioned, I was, um, I went to school here in Denver, and I then immediately was hired right after college to work for a sports and entertainment company here in Denver. It was a dream come true. I'm a giant sports fan, and I say yes and amen, Pastor Elliot, because the Denver Nuggets are going to pull it off in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. <laughs> Sorry, Bree. Um, <laughs> I loved what I did. God opened up incredible doors for me to be a part of, a, of an organization that I absolutely learned and loved, learned to love. 
I found success pretty early in my career. I spent seven years there and absolutely loved what I did. I had incredible bosses who empowered me and saw and spoke life into me and really just said, we believe you have a future here. They were truly my Zebedee. I, I actually call one of, my, one of my bosses that hired me, I call her the mother of my career because that's truly what she did for me. She was my Zebedee. She trained me. She coached me. She encouraged me. And she also empowered me to be all that I could be in, that organ, in, in this organization. I began to develop relationships with people because I just love people. And there's some great people that work there that I, to this day, thank you, Jesus, that I still consider some of my best friends. That they have just this heart to see a successful organization, but more than that, our, our, the, the Kroenke slogan was memories are played here, is that we wanted people just for a moment in their life to come and experience something fun, something bigger than themselves, being a part of you know, a Denver Nuggets basketball game, a Colorado Avalanche game, a Colorado Mammoth game, Colorado Rapids, anything that would just let them for a moment just experience something fun. And I loved what I did. Very much so. I got an opportunity to meet some incredible people and help them. You know, being in HR, one of my, one of my things was that I would, um, <laughs> if you had a problem with your boss, you would come to me. Um, if your boss had a problem with you, they would come to me. <laughs> and I would help draw a plan that would allow uh, the boss to really look at the employee and say, hey, we're going to give them an opportunity to improve. Because I love that. I'm a champion of people. I love people. I, I, from the very first day I was saved, which I should say this because I just love. Uh, yesterday I celebrated my 12th anniversary serving God. And uh, telling you, this la these last 12 years have been a roller coaster ride. A lot of pain. But you know what? I truly would see when, when, when the gospel says this, that he trades your sorrow for joy. He trades your mourning for dancing. He trades your ashes for beauty. I know that to the core of who I am because of these last 12 years that those are promises that God comes through with. But so long story short here, these seven years go by and we begin to have discussions about my future. And when the VP at the time begins to see something inside of me that she, she believes that I could develop leaders, I could develop a program that would basically take emerging leaders and train them, develop them, coach them to become the future leaders of the organization. And what a privilege to be able to do that and to be a part of something and developing people and seeing them released in all that they've been called to be at this company. But there was something that began to shift in my heart and I didn't necessarily understand it until later on. You see, I was 29 at the time. I know I'm that old, don't need me that. I look young, people always like are like, hey, how old are you? Like, are you graduating from college? I'm like, yes. <laughs> I think people say like the older you get, the more you appreciate that you look young. And I'm like, I'll take that, I'll take it all day. I'm 22. I got stuck at 23, but anyway, we'll leave that. As I began to ask the question, I stopped asking what do I want to do? And I started asking the question, who do I want to be? 
and God began to speak to that inside of me. And I, I began to think, like, I do want to be someone that develops people. I do want to be someone that comes alongside of them and pulls the potential out of them and, and develops them and coaches them and helps shape them into all that God had called them to be. And I had made the decision that this, this is where it was going to be. This is where God had me. This is where I was building, what I was building, the work that he had put in front of me at this company. But I was driving down I-25 one day, looking at our beautiful city, and I immediately heard a voice, and it said, do you trust me? And I was like, oh, I know that voice. And I know the tone of that question, because only one other time in my life did I hear it that way. And it was when I gave up my softball, my athletic scholarship, at Regis to pursue a different avenue that I didn't know. I just knew that God was calling me. I obeyed just because I knew who was calling me. And so I knew it was him when I was driving because I wouldn't want to do this on my own. I loved that company because I loved the people. And I saw the potential and I wanted to fight for them and the experience that, that, that they have. So if you are in the business world and that's where God's called you, I'm so grateful for you that you can bring the gospel, you can bring the message to the world. But see, when I heard that voice, I knew immediately, when he said, do you trust me, I knew immediately what he was talking to me about. And what he was saying, he was saying, come, follow me. Are you willing to leave behind the familiar? You see, this, this company was all I ever knew. I was hired right out of college, and if all of you can remember from, 29, or from 22 to 30, a lot of growth happens in that time. You truly grow up. So I feel like I grew up there. I feel like God did things in my life there that were so significant. He brought me here to this church because of that company. I met somebody that told me about Pastors Doug and Donna when I was in New York City. That's random. He told, he, he told me, he's like, hey, I hear you live in Denver. You need to check out a church. Look up Doug and Donna Lassett. You look like them. I was like, I don't have blonde hair and I have light skin, but sure. But I now know what he was talking about. He was talking about my DNA. You see, before I even knew the Pearl Church, before I even knew you, I was destined to be with you. I believe that to the core of who I am. But was I willing to leave behind all I ever knew? And something that I was really good at. You see, we were talking about my future. And I'm not just talking about like a little promotion. We were talking about how I would be the future. And two years prior to that, a year prior to that conversation, I would have jumped on that opportunity. But I, I told God in that moment, just with that one action, I spoke so many, so many words, that God, I'm willing to act immediately because I believe there's an urgency to what you're calling me to do right now. That I'm willing to leave behind the familiar, to leave all that I've ever known, and actually, God, what I'm good at and what I've dreamed of make, how I've dreamed of making an impact in the city of Denver. I was willing to let go of engagements and expectations, which to me, this one was the hardest to do. I felt loyal to people who had invested in me, who had groomed me, who had raised me up to take on this position. But I even had those dreams for myself. 
sitting in the corner office, looking out at the beautiful city of Denver, knowing that I was in an influential company that could truly make a difference in people's lives. I had dreamed about it. I wanted to be, when I was 22 and I walked in, I said, we, they don't have a VP of human resources, but I'm gonna be the first one. I dreamt about it. I invested in myself for it. But I had to be willing to let go. Let go of those expectations. The second thing that was really hard for me was letting go of the people. Because I knew that I wouldn't, I didn't know what would happen if I leave. There was a team of people depending on me. I was training and raising up the next generation of leaders. But those were also my friends. People that I spent more time with than my family, if you think about it, you spend more time at work than you do at home. I had grown to love these people. And it was hard to let them go. Knowing that because of my position, I actually had to sever relationships for a period of time because I was their confidant. I was the people, I was the person that helped them get through their, their problems. I was the person that they would come to and just talk about the, the future of the organization. And I couldn't do that anymore. So I had to let them go. And I also had to be willing to trust God's process and his promise that if he was calling me in that moment to walk away from my job, that there was something on the other side of that decision. And you see people used to say, wow, Tosh, what a step of faith. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. But what I believe more is that yes, it was a step of faith, but more it was an act of obedience to what Jesus was calling me to. Though I didn't know exactly, just like the disciples, I didn't know exactly what he was calling me to. All I know is that he promised that he would transform me and make me to where what he was taking me to. And so I had to trust that. I had to trust his promise. And now I stand here, you know, before you, you think that I might have known, I didn't. For nine months, I was un unemployed. I, I hit all of the traditional like millennial things. I was single, I was unemployed. I lived with my parents at 30. Like all of those things that are like, I'm like, no, I'm supposed to stand out for my generation. And now I'm just living exactly what everyone thinks that I should be living as a millennial. But I'm telling you in those nine months, and I'm still on a, I'm still on a journey. But those nine months were his, the process of him developing me, shaping me, me recognizing and relying and beginning to understand that it's not my employment that shapes my identity, it's who he's called me to be. And what he truly taught me was that success is not measured in money or even influence. Success is measured in obedience to him. You see, following Jesus does mean that you will have to leave some things behind. But I want you to know this. If there's fear in you about that, if there's like resistance in you about that, I'm gonna just trust that you're gonna work that out with Jesus because my life is not meant to be a standard. What it's meant to be is an encouragement to you that you can do it. 
but this is one of the scriptures that God put in my heart from the very beginning when I made that decision to come follow him, to leave all that I've ever known, to leave the people that I loved, to leave the influence and the success that was ahead of me. He said this to me in Mark 8, 35. For if you let go of your life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel, you will continually experience true life. But if you choose to keep your life for yourself, you will forfeit what you try to keep. Do you know, church, that Jesus wants you to experience true life? A life that is so much greater than you could think or imagine. One of my favorite portions of scripture that he actually gave to me also while I was on my way out of this company is Ephesians 3.20. That God can do exceedingly abundantly more than you can ask, think, or imagine. But guess what? It says according to the work inside of you. And see, there's a work right now that I believe God is stirring inside of each of us. You may not be in this moment right now where you're like, hey, I'm doing great. I'm following Jesus. I'm catching, I'm catching, I wasn't say catching men, but that sounds so weird since I'm single. Like that's weird. <laughs> I'm catching fish. I'm catching people, Jesus. <laughs> I'm supposed to be having a holy moment, but I'm with my family so I can be myself. But you see this, for you to let go let go, let go of your life for the sake of Jesus and his kingdom and you're gonna experience true life. So here's what I'm gonna have you do, church. I'm gonna have you stand up and we're gonna close. And I just want you to close your eyes right now because I believe I actually saw this happening in my head this morning. So go ahead and bow your head, close your eyes. And I just want you just to create a space where just Jesus can come and speak to you. But what I believe he's doing this morning is just like the disciples were. They were just doing their thing. They were hanging out with their family. They were working. And all of a sudden, he just happens to walk by. That Jesus is walking by right now. He's just walking by and he says, I see you. I see you. But now I want you to come. And I want you to follow me. And so there's two people that I want to pray for this morning. First, I want to pray for those people who are in your, you feel right now, you're like, you know what? God has been asking me to come and follow him at a closer level, at a deeper level, with a closeness. And it's been kind of hard. I've been kind of scared. I wanna pray for you this morning that there would be an activation in your spirit that would cause you to act immediately, that you would something inside of you would say, you know what, Jesus, for you and for the sake of the gospel, I'm willing to leave the familiar. God, I'm willing to let go of expectations and engagements. And I'm willing to trust you in this process because you've promised that I will be successful in what you're calling me to. And so just right now in this atmosphere where his presence is here and he's here, he wants to speak to you. 
I just want you, if that if this resonates with you, that that's what you need prayer, I want to pray for you, and I'm going to pray my best prayer possible because I know what it's like to be in your shoes. I want you to just lift your hand right now. That Jesus is walking by and he's saying, come, come, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. the second group of people that I want to speak to is you might be asking yourself who is this Jesus that's walking by my life he sees you and he wants you and so if you're someone in this room that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus I can't help believe this moment without giving you an opportunity to respond you see this entire message is about an invitation and a response Jesus is inviting us, inviting you to become a part of his family, to save you, to forgive you, to redeem you and restore you. But there is a response and a receiving of that work that he's already completed on the cross. And so if you are in this room and you do not have a a relationship with God, here's your chance. He's walking by, he sees you and he says, come son come daughter follow me so if that's you this morning I just want you to lift your hand we're going to pray for you that you want to give your life to Jesus this morning you want to rededicate your life to him and say today's the day I'm drawing the line in the sand and I'll never be the same thank you thank you we're just going to pray Jesus, right now we just come before you, God, and we're so grateful for who you are. We're grateful for your word. God, we're grateful that when you when you walk by, you see us, that you see who we are, you see what we're doing, but you also see the future, who you've destined us and created us to be. God, that you, I thank you, God, that we are a part of your plan here on planet Earth, that you have single-handedly selected every single one of us to be a part of advancing your kingdom here on the earth. So God, right now, what I pray, I pray for those people who are in that moment that they would, that they would, that you would strengthen them, that you would encourage them to say, you know what, you can do this. You can, you can act immediately. You don't have to ask any questions. Why? Because you know who's calling you. The word says that my sheep know my voice. You know that this is his voice. It's not you making it up. It's him. So God, I pray that we have the willingness to act immediately. God, I pray right now that you would just strengthen us to be able to leave the familiar, God. That we would be able to break off the expectations, even the good ones on our lives, and we would do a divine exchange, knowing, Jesus, that those expectations, God, you created us for bigger. And so God, I pray that you would strengthen your people this morning. I pray right now that there would be a true life-changing moment that takes place now that when they choose to follow you that they're not going to go backwards they're not going to resort back to their old ways they're not going to go back to where you called them out of God but God I seal the work and the response that you're doing or that they're having right now In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, what we're going to do, give it up for Jesus, right? Like, he's doing incredible things. But here's what I want you to do is as we're we're going to end the service here in the next few minutes is I want you to just 
lift up your hands and as the, the worship team leads us into this song, I just want you to have a true encounter with God. So what I'm gonna ask you to do right now before I step off the stage, I want you to lift up your hands to Jesus. And I want you to sing these words with all of your heart as he ministers to you.